Good Storm. Today's episode of Killer Shipwrecks is brought to you by Terry's Turpentine, offering natural solvents of unnatural quality. We're also brought to you by Choppy Streams, offering the latest technical solutions for those endless Zoom meetings. Dr. Troyer. Dr. Geller, so good to be back with you. Episode three. Can't believe we're already at three. We're really starting to gather some momentum. I just hope that we're not reaching that point in the episode number in which our episode number exceeds the number of listeners. Uh, This week, we will be drawing even, I think, as far as that goes. Okay. Three listeners, three episodes. So far, so good. So great episode last week, learned a lot about Caligula. And I was just telling you before we began, it was awesome because I felt like I learned not only about a shipwreck, or in this case, two shipwrecks, but a period in history that I was not incredibly familiar with. Great job. Well, thank you very much. I had a lot of fun talking to you about it. I had a lot of fun doing the research initially. And then it really just got me interested in that whole time period. Sounds like material for Lizzie to post. And notice she hasn't gotten around to posting anything. I think she was traveling, family issues she had to attend to. But I will say this for Lizzie. She has banked a lot of goodwill with us. She really was a workhorse in the first two seasons. Don't think she'd appreciate being called a horse. But yes, in the spirit of helping us, she was fantastic. Yes. I want to get right to it. This week is your turn. You know, each week we take turns. And last week we talked about ancient Rome. And this week we are talking about we're, we're talking about something, as I mentioned, or teased, if you will, if you listened to last week, something closer to home. Closer to home. It's been bugging me. So let me start with the year that this ship went down. And I think it'll be a little more relatable. 1857. Let's orient ourselves around that year. 1857. So that is, hold on, that's right before the Civil War breaks out in America, right? That is true. And that's about all I got. Well, You're missing a few key facts, one of which is that James Buchanan was sworn in as the 15th president. Jimmy B. Yeah, I don't know much about James Buchanan. Elijah Otis, I don't know if that name rings a bell, he installed his first elevator at 488 Broadway in New York City. Very first elevator. (gasps) No way. I still ride on Otis elevators uh, all the time. Well, if you rode on that one, you'd be going about a half inch per second. It was a slow ride. The good news is that the building was only four stories high, maybe five. So didn't have to go that far. And it was installed more as an attraction because it was this sort of emporium. They had this glassware company in the building that hand-painted China. Turns out Mary Todd Lincoln ended up having them paint the china when she became first lady. That's where the elevator was installed in that building in 1857. Coincidentally, also the year of the first time someone got stuck in an elevator. So anyways, let's get even closer to home and why we're here today. But I'll I'll leave you with one other fact about 1857. Of course, all kinds of Indian wars around the country, but let's not get into that. Queen Victoria, she decided Ottawa 
was going to be the capital of Canada. Interesting choice with that. I'm not sure I would have gone with Ottawa, capital of Canada. You know, you you could go Montreal, you could go uh, Toronto, Vancouver. I don't know. Something else from that year, which again, I'm sure there are entire podcasts dedicated to the to the topic, and, and you'll appreciate this. Being a lawyer, Dred Scott decision was handed down by the Supreme Court in 1857. So not good. Dred Scott is buried at the same St. Louis cemetery where some of my ancestors are buried. My family makes fun of me because I keep track of where all the different ancestors are buried. I'd like to visit a boneyard from now and again. You do. Yeah. And you also take photos at yeah. several of these tombstones. Mm-hmm. Find, find graveyards to be very peaceful, um, mm-hmm. evocative. You know, you sit there and you meditate on, geez, what was this person's life? And that one where they are in St. Louis has some super famous people. I think Tennessee Williams might be there as well. Dred Scott. Wow. And that's, and that's land graveyards, but we haven't even gotten into the uh, submarine graveyard. What a segue. Now, let me just tell you that the last fact I will give you of 1857 will directly lead us into this week's shipwreck. 1857 had a panic. And when I say panic, I don't mean like a snake got loose. I mean a financial panic. Banks, run on the banks type of thing. Financial panic. Yeah. New York closed their banks. Okay. Banks were like closed for weeks or months. Because it was like 3 p.m. and they were like, okay, it's closed for today. Banker's Holiday. So in 1857, there is a ship, and the ship's name is the SS Central America. As if I needed more of a of a sort of a puffering of the title, it was known as the Ship of Gold. We're talking about a 280-foot steamer. It's a sidewheel steamer. It's a steamer. And it primarily operated between Central America and the East Coast. So there's about 600 people on board, but there's also 30,000 pounds of gold. It's about $8 million in U.S. currency in 1857. Do you want to know the math on that today? It sounds like a lot. $8 million in 1857. So I'm going to guess, this is just a back of the envelope calculation, let's say $200 million. It is $765 million, $765 million going into the water. And all of that gold was supposed to prop up the banks in New York. Now, where was the ship coming from? Coming from California, gold rush period, went through the Panamanian port at the time it was called Aspinall. Now people know it as Cologne. And it was on its way to New York City. It went to Havana first because, I mean, why not? Lots of great shows, great things to do. So I'm sure it's like a little bit of like, hey, you know, before we drop off the gold in New York and let those bankers have their time. We've got 30,000 pounds of gold. We can get a mojito. 600 people, 30,000 pounds. You do the math. It's a lot of pounds per person. And it's coming from California, which is the golden state. It is. So anyways, early September. Gets kind of near North Carolina along that coastline, if you want to picture it on a map. But again, if Lizzie posts a map, you can see exactly what I'm talking about. I'm getting worried. September, October, it feels like, is that still hurricane season? It encounters a hurricane. It turns out that, you know, the winds were shredding the sails. Sails, wait a minute, hold on. We had a steamer at the beginning of the episode. Well, the paddle wheel shafts were powered by the boiler. And because the ship was taking on water, they couldn't keep the boiler going. So they had these, you know, backup kind of ideas. Anyways, at noon, the boiler could no longer maintain fire. So the steam pressure dropped, basically shut down everything. And so the paddle wheels that kept her pointed into the wind And you know what? That 30,000 pounds of gold isn't 
isn't helping with the buoyancy as as uh you pointed out last week buoyancy is part of the equation here too so we're not forensically equipped to assess these things but they did form a bucket brigade yeah i mean by the time you're setting up the bucket brigade you know what do you do okay i can help out here on the bucket brigade or maybe just dive in and and just try to swim for sure so Here's the thing. They did get a distress signal out. The flag on the ship was inverted, which is a signal to passing ships. We are up a creek without a paddle, in this case, kind of literally. And a passing ship was able to save about 100 passengers, primarily women and children. Um, So they're able to then really fully tell the tale of how it all went down. The ship ended up sinking at eight o'clock at night. And when the ship sank, when the ship of gold went down, 425 people were killed. So at the time, that was the largest disaster at sea of passengers in United States history. It was an enormous deal. So believe it or not, the gold was not the headline story. It was the disastrous loss of life at the time. But before we continue, I believe we need to hear from one of our sponsors. First up, I believe, is Terry's Turpentine. Terry asked us to take a one-week break where he's not a sponsor. He thought Susan, maybe this week, might file some sort of court paperwork. Oh, shit. But he said maybe for a week at least or a couple weeks, maybe take a break from the Terry's Turpentine sponsorship. But I believe our trusty partners in technology and sponsorship are still with us. Wishing Terry well, but obviously supporting Choppy Streams. Take it away. Ever want to get out of those long, boring video meetings? Hell yes. Well, activate Choppy Streams from your browser and experience instant choppiness in your video stream. All you have to do is apologize and sign off. Choppy Streams. All right, Choppy Streams. Smart guys, smart product, really good stuff. So now where we left off was the tremendous loss of life, but we have the stories of what went down. And it turns out that the ship's captain is almost worthy of his own pod. His name is William Lewis Herndon. Super cool guy. Two fun facts about Herndon. Herndon, Virginia is named after Captain William Lewis Herndon. Herndon, Pennsylvania is named after him too. He has two towns in two different states. Did he behave admirably or... Yes, you do not get towns named after you for scrambling onto the lifeboats with the women and children. He also had a daughter, and the daughter ended up marrying President Chester Arthur. Are you kidding me? Was she first lady of the U.S.? Unfortunately, she died at age 42 from pneumonia just before uh, Arthur became vice president and then, of course, president after uh, Garfield's assassination. So sadly, she never got to live in the White House. Such a bummer. Okay, but speaking of bummers, uh, let's get back to her dad, poor uh, Captain Herndon. So I'm assuming he goes down with the ship? So he went down, but he was instrumental in getting the hundred people off of the ship. He was all about helping people. And apparently survivors you know, reported seeing Commander Herndon in full uniform standing by the wheelhouse. Uh, his hat was off and he just had his head bowed. In, they say it looked like in prayer as the ship gave a lurch 
and then just went down. Wow, that's a very uh, striking image, very poetic, kind of um, sad but romantic image, the guy going down, uh, head bowed in prayer. Now, uh, it sounded like the ship went under very suddenly, like whether people are kind of just immediately swallowed up or if the... uh, the people who eventually died, I want, did they spend hours and hours in the water? And you know, my favorite question is always like the sharks, the sharks. I want to know more about the sharks. Ugh, so scary. It's leftover from being a kid and watching that scene in Jaws with uh, what's his name talking about the USS Indianapolis. We got to do that one someday. Um, okay. So this is um, off the coast of North Carolina. It is. Uh, it was on its way to New York. And it was going to offload all that gold to keep the banks uh, running, solvent. That's exactly right. So now let's get into recovery mode because this is when things get interesting, right? All this water is holding all this gold, but no one can get to it. How, how deep is it? It's really deep. Right. So then in 1988, there is a group called the Columbus America Discovery Group of Ohio incident. And it's led by this guy named Tommy Thompson, which sounds like, wasn't there a governor, Tommy Thompson? Dude, I'm. this is all starting to ring a bell. Did this guy end up being a total scam artist? Okay. Just like episode one, there is no fooling you. You are a hundred percent right. Yeah. How do Tommy you do Thompson. it? But tell the story. Cause I really, I just remember that there was uh, some scamming going on here. Very exciting. Now that there's a tie-in to Ohio, I'm going to call back Terry and just like, just see if he'll let us use him for this week. You should. You got to get him on. Maybe we'll slip him in later and just gratis this one. Let's do that. Do we have to clear that with Lizzie? <laughs> um, we don't. It's not the question of gratis. He's just paranoid that she's going to uh, file for divorce and that... Um, just makes him look like he's rich and profligate and everything out, you know, spending on, on, you know, not only a podcast, but doing ship dives of his own in the Great Lakes. And, you know, so he just wanted to sort of keep it all. Okay. But Tommy Thompson, he's from Ohio or? I guess so, because that's where the company's from. Significant amounts of golden artifacts were brought to the surface by Tommy's company. This is the first attempt. They they recover some gold that's estimated at around a hundred to one hundred and fifty million dollars. One ingot they recovered weighed eighty pounds. Whoa! Yeah. All right. So, anyways, thirty nine insurance companies sued because they claimed that in the nineteenth century they paid out damages for the lost. The gold. insurance companies have a long memory, huh? Yep. They come after them. Thirty nine lawsuits. So there's this protracted legal battle and 92 percent of the gold is then awarded to tommy's company in 1996 Wait, when you say 90 percent of the gold you're saying 90 percent of the gold that they were capable of bringing up still Correct. most of it is down under the ocean so he wins in court basically so he wins in court but then there's a wrinkle there's right? always a wrinkle he actually owes all the people that invested and he never pays them back and there's like millions of dollars that people invested in this company. Yeah. Yeah. This is starting to, and he goes on the run, I think. He's on the run. He has offshore accounts in the Cook Islands. Cool. Don't you have to be involved with shipwrecks to put your money in the Cook Islands? I thought people go to the Bahamas. I don't even remember where the Cook Islands are, but that sounds cool. I aspire to have an account in the Cook Islands. 
Anyway, so yeah, he takes off. Okay, so his investors want the money, and he disappears. He's eventually found, and the marshals extradite him to Ohio, and he agrees to surrender 500 gold coins, but then he claims he doesn't have access to the coins. So everyone's like, what? He loses all these lawsuits. So he's losing the investor lawsuits. He did well in the the litigation with the insurance companies, but now the investors are like, dude, pay up. And also, while all of this is going on, the um, any further recovery probably kind of is on uh, on hold. No, so then guess so. Let's flash forward to 2014 and the Odyssey Marine Exploration. Dude, company. are you kidding me? You know, you know my history with the Odyssey Marine Exploration Company. No, Oy. I hope my wife is is not listening to this. I what? invested money in that company it's a publicly traded company do you have to recuse yourself from this podcast what is the legal obligation (laughs) we we can we can listen we can edit me out if only i had those skills (laughs) let's just put it this way so i i'm not gonna get into amounts but you know um enough money that it would be annoying to my wife back then they were in the business of trying to find shipwrecks Last I heard, they had pivoted to trying to harvest phosphate, fertilizer basically, from the ocean bed near Mexico, and they were getting sued for that. They couldn't even do that. It's just never a good sign when the company that you you were excited because they were like finding shipwrecks filled with gold, they've pivoted to like, you know, harvesting fertilizer material off the ocean bottom, and they can't even get permission to do that. And I looked at the share price, and I was like, whoa, that is is really low. That's not good. That's way below what I bought it at. And then I realized it was low, even though they did whatever the opposite of like a stock split is. So it was actually astronomically low compared to when I got in. That's like the the inverse buy low, sell high. Yeah, I think. Um, and I'm just keeping that in my back pocket to use as a uh, tax tax loss one of these years. Uh, Dr. Troy, let me just interject here. I am not an accountant. I highly recommend you consult with a tax attorney. Is that a good idea? I don't know about these tax losses. Yeah, that's probably a, a good point. I'm not... Um... I'm not an accountant either. Uh, I'm also wondering, are there other prior investments in your back pocket? So many. I am literally the worst investor. That's why at a certain point, we had to take this all off my plate. And it wasn't court ordered, but uh, we put it in the hands of professionals at a certain point. Again, I'm sure you know all about the different rules and laws. But didn't it sound like a great investment? A um, marine salvage company specializing in uh, one in a million. In, uh, shipwreck. Especially considering that every one of those companies ends up in years of litigation, no matter what they find. Then again, you know, more fodder for your back pocket. You realize my wife is going to cancel this podcast and make me get a job. What about the fertilizer? Is she a fan of, of that? She likes it when I clean my hands uh, carefully when I come in from the garden. Maybe even with some turpentine. Nice. You're a pro. Anyway, so they did bring up a lot of the gold. And they auctioned off some of it. One ingot sold for $528,000. They did recover the ship's bell. It was at the time considered very large compared to the average size bell for a ship that size. Wow. Also probably didn't help with the buoyancy. Too heavy, too big a bell. 268 pounds. So you're right. Dumb question. When they go down to these wrecks, I feel a little bit morbid looking for these details in the news stories. But I always wonder, like, 
Did you find some bones too? Did you find some skeletal material? I think they did. I read one article in which there was someone they may have unearthed. Oh, they did? Whoa. So how much of a connection can we make between the ship going down and then the financial panic? Like, is there a real tight connection there? I don't know, but they do talk about its impact. The degree of the impact is probably debatable. And then I wonder in turn, like, you know, the panic, then how much that feeds into the Civil War. I mean, I know fundamentally it's about slavery and states' rights and all that, but I mean, financial panic doesn't help. Oh boy, I want to know everything about, I cannot wait. Like I always say, first thing when we sign off today, I'm going to be jumping online. Some great images, you know, some some great depictions of the ship and what it looked like during the hurricane. Again, if Lizzie has a chance to post these tonight or tomorrow or or any any time, this shipwreck has everything. It's got the it's got the captain with his head bowed with hat in hand. You've got the shocking loss of life, four hundred plus people. Dramatic. Why isn't there a movie? You've got the the all that gold, just a crazy amount of gold. I guess it's coming from the gold rush out in. Uh, California. And then you even tie it into American history at that time. It's got all of those narratives. And then you end it on the dude who's like stashing money in the Cook Island. I feel like he was even on the FBI most wanted list or something at one point. Yes. But people are talking about him in the same story that they talk about Herndon, you know, who has the two towns named after him. Yeah. I want to tip my cap if I if I were wearing a nautical-themed cap. That'd be cool. We should get those. You know, that's like our merch. Our merch should include nautical caps, if such a thing exists. We got to get on the merch. Yeah. Okay. We got to get... Well, we first, we got to unload all the other merch from our uh, first two seasons. So first of all, I want to tip my imaginary uh, captain's hat to Herndon. Uh, he did exactly what you're supposed to do. He went down with the ship. He helped the women and children and also want to just tip the cap to those those 400 plus people. Horrible. Even today, that's a lot of people. You know, when you do the math on the money, it's like, whoa, but it's not like you do 400 people and today that's 1,500 people. It's like still 400 people is a lot of people. It's 400 people and it's like horrendous what they went through, but then you think you multiply it by all their family members and all the families are touched by that that tragedy. So just incredible. I, I want to know more details that maybe outside of our, uh, what we can get to here, but I, you know me, I want to get into like how deep it was, like how, how far down in the water it was. And so many rabbit holes, you know, cause you think of like all of that gold just sinking in the ocean, never to be seen again by anyone living at the time, a billion dollars just sitting at the bottom of the ocean. Unbelievable. But the Herndon stuff is awesome. Running a running a little uh, money run from uh, California to New York, dude. I can read the racing form and you know and steer this ship at the same time. This is no big deal. And then category one, two, and this is back before they were naming the hurricanes. This was old school back then. They're, they're, they're not playing around with it. Hurricane Iris, Hurricane Andrew. Just imagine how many ships around the world. How much gold is sitting down there? Lastly, I just want to remind you to reach out to Terry. It would be great to have him a part of this week's episode. I don't know if you think you'll have success. Let's just gamble on the fact that I'm going to be able to sweet talk Terry. I might even just screw it, not call Terry. I'm going to call Susan and say, we got to run the ad this week because it's got the Ohio tie-in. Exactly. And how many shipwrecks will have a Ohio tie-in? I don't know, but hopefully we can get all of that cleared up.
Whether you're thinning varnish or paint, cleaning wood stains, making moth repellent at home, or just maintaining industrial equipment, Terry's Turpentine has you covered. Terry's Turpentine has been family-owned and operated since 1993. Terry's Turpentine, natural solvents of unnatural quality. Listen, I do want to tease next week's rack. Plucked it right out of my butt right now. Wow, super tantalizing. I'm just going to tell you this one little clue. This shipwreck was off the coast of a place where my mother-in-law went to boarding school. In what would that be, like the late 1940s? I have a sense of your, your mother-in-law's backstory. You told an amazing story today. What a great ship. All these tie-ins to history. Yet at the heart of it is a big ship of gold. Fantastic. Okay, let's get to the outro music. Can't wait to hear about the ship next week. Thanks for another great episode. Right jackets are stored in overhead racks. Second jackets.